Philippians 4, 8, and 9. We are going to be uh, in there today as we continue our series on, uh, on the book of Philippians. Remember, just a reminder, we say this every week, but I, I just, I just, in case you weren't here or if you've forgotten, Paul is writing this letter from prison. He's in prison as he writes this to this church and, and, uh, in, in Philippians, uh, in, in a place called Philippi, and the folks there were called Philippians. And so we're just going to cover two verses today, and, and I want to tell you as we start about my 11th grade English teacher. I had an 11th grade English teacher uh, who was my absolute all-time favorite teacher I ever had. I've probably mentioned him up here before. His name was Dr. Maddox, and the reason I liked him was he had spent some time teaching. He had taught at like Newberry College and some other colleges, and I guess he was older. I guess maybe he wanted to kind of finish out his career teaching in high school again. And we liked him as students because he was funny and every once in a while he'd cuss. He'd, he'd drop in a cuss word every now and then. And as an 11th grader, you're like, hey, Dr. Maddox is all right, man. He, you know, he cussed today. And so we, we all like that kind of stuff. And uh, super smart. He had the biggest vocabulary. He was constantly saying words that we had never heard of before, just as his regular part of his, uh, his uh, conversation. And he had all these little sayings he would say. And one of the things that he would say from time to time, and uh, when, when he would, we would be in there and he could sense that we weren't really into what he was talking about, red badge of courage or whatever it was that day, and he would, he would look at us and he'd say, you better get your mind right. That's what he would say. He would say, get your mind right. And that's, put that up on the screen. We've got that. That's, that's the first point of today's message. So if you're taking notes, go ahead and write that. Get Get your mind right. Now, go ahead and put that. There you go. Now, you notice that it says get your mind right, but that's not the way we say it. That's not the way Dr. Maddox said it. It was more like G-I-T, get. Get your mind right. And he would say that to us at times when our attitude didn't seem to be where it was supposed to be. And the, the passage of Scripture that we're going to read today, Philippians 4, 8, and 9, I'm going to read it in just a second. The very first verse is all about us needing to get our mind rights. And so, uh, so let's look at Philippians 4, 8, and 9. It says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. See, one of the things that we know, if, you, if you've made it to seventh grade biology class, by now you should know that everything that we do, it begins up here. It begins in our mind. That all of our actions begin somewhere in here, either as thoughts or as an involuntary thing that we do. For instance, if uh, a while ago, like if I want to sit on this stool here, I have to make a choice. I'm going to sit down. If I want to get up, I make a choice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get up. All that begins up here. It begins in my mind. Now, there's other things that, that, that I'm doing. I've been doing ever since I walked out here. I've been doing something, but I haven't once thought about it, but my mind is keeping it going, and that's I've been breathing. I don't have to remember to breathe, thank goodness, because if I did, I would suffocate because I usually can only think about one thing at a time. And so, so there, your mind is this amazingly powerful thing. It's a beautiful thing that God has created that he's given us this brain that can be kind of like the, the, the control center for who we are and for our actions and the things that we do. And Paul, even though Paul at that time he, he didn't have, he had never looked through a microscope and seen a brain cell and a neuron and all that kind of stuff, but he understood the connection between what goes on up here 
and then what we actually say and do and the places we go and the attitudes that we have. And so when he writes this to the church at Philippi, he wants them to understand that that what goes on in our brains is so vitally important to what we actually do and the people that we actually are. And the first thing that he tells us there in verse 8 is when we're thinking about what's going on in our minds, we need to put good stuff in. We need to put good stuff in. That, that what's going in our, in our minds is important. Verse 8, let me read it to you again. It says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. You know what I love about that list? Is that that list, you could put that same list together if you were saying, okay, what is God like? What are the qualities of the God that we serve? What is the nature of the God who created us and created everything that that we see? What is he like? Well, is he true? Yeah, he's true. Is Is he honorable? Yes. He's certainly just. He's pure. He's lovely. He's commendable. He's excellent. And he's definitely worthy of praise. And so when Paul says there that, what are the things that our mind is uh, that, that we're supposed to have our minds focus on? He's he's saying that our mind is supposed to be focused on godly things, things that that reflect the nature of God, things that that push us closer to understanding who He is. Those should be a part of our thoughts and, and the things that that we begin to understand. Now, here's the the thing about that: what goes in our minds when Paul says, "Think about these things." See, it's not an accident. Uh, you, you, don't, you don't think about those things accidentally. You don't just wander around, especially in our culture, and, and start thinking about, oh, you know, today, all day long, my thought, thoughts were on things that are true. And I don't know how it happened. It just, it just kind of happened. That, well, it doesn't work that way. We have to be deliberate about that. You know, when um, how many of you have raised babies or currently raising babies? Raise your hands. Okay. How many of you have ever taken care of a baby, like for the night, or you work as a person that takes care of babies? Raise your hand. So we've all got some baby, you've got some times you've taken care of babies. One of the things that's amazing about, um, let's, say, uh, let's say we like to keep babies, by the way. If, if you want to let us keep your baby for a night, we would not like all night. We don't want to do that again. But if you want to go out to eat, if you want to go out to eat, Sherry and I would love to keep your baby. We love to have babies in the house. And, um, and one of the things that when a baby comes over to the house, you bring your baby, you, you've got two bags. And one is the diaper bag that has diapers and wipes and a change of clothes and maybe some toys and stuff. And then you've got like this whole separate bag just for the food and for the drink. And then the mother will pull out a legal-sized sheet of paper, single-spaced with footnotes of instructions of this is how you feed the baby, and there's all this stuff, and they'll tell you, okay, now, here, I've got these carrots. These were, um, these were, these are organic carrots. They were grown on a farm on the side of Glassy Mountain. No pesticides were used, and I've got that, and then I've got this corn. This was a, this is farm-raised corn that was then put in a greenhouse. It had classical music played over it. It's going to really help with the intelligence of my child, and I've made this myself. I took, I did, I only used wooden utensils, and I mashed this up myself. We don't use any nickel-plated or silver-plated because we think that that leads to early onset of Alzheimer's when they're a child, 
and you know, they go into all this detail of what they're going to eat, and you've all been there as parents. You've done that, haven't you? You've researched what can this baby eat, and you've, you've tried to look into, okay, we've got to introduce certain foods at certain ages, and you don't want to have them eating cereal too soon, and, and all that kind of stuff. You just really get into that. And we take so much time and effort into what we put in to our babies. You know one thing that you would never do as a parent? is you would never be on your way home from work and think, you know what, we're out of baby food. You would never stop by McDonald's and pick up two Big Macs and go by Taco Bell and pick up a Burrito Supreme and get home, throw those in the blender and puree those and feed those to your baby, would you? You would never do that unless you wanted your baby to be actually rolled to school on his first day of kindergarten like a big exercise ball. You would never do that. Because it's terrible for a baby. It's really terrible for us too, but it's terrible for a baby to eat a steady diet of Big Macs and Burrito Supremes. Well, let's be honest about the stuff in our culture that comes into our minds. Let's just be honest about it. That we live, when it comes to what we're putting into our minds mentally, we live in a Big Mac and Burrito Supreme world. That when you, whatever media it is you're consuming, if most of your media comes through the internet, if most of your media comes through television or if it's radio or you know, whatever it might be, wherever your media is coming from, what you're consuming that they're giving you, if that's all you're consuming, you're getting a steady diet of Big Macs and Burrito Supremes. You're not getting anything that's honorable. You're not getting anything that's true. You're getting very little that's just. You're not getting anything that's excellent. You're definitely not getting anything that's worthy of praise. And I listen, I watch television. I go to the movies. I listen to music, I look at stuff, you know, videos and, and stuff on Facebook and the internet too. So I'm not telling you that, that you shouldn't do that because the truth of the matter is you can't remove yourself from that. You could, but it, it's very difficult. Even if you remove yourself from all media, you're going to ride down Wade Hampton Boulevard and you're going to see billboards. And chances are the stuff you see on there are not going to be honorable, not going to be just, not going to be excellent, not going to be commendable, not going to be praiseworthy. So we live in a world where, where we're going to be bombarded with, with a diet that's unhealthy. So what do we do about that? Well, I think the question that you need to ask yourself, what is your regular diet? When it comes to what you're taking in, when it comes to what, what, your, what your intake is on a regular basis, what's your regular diet? It, would you be honest and say, you know what, Cliff, most of the stuff that I'm thinking about, most of the stuff that I'm reading, most of the stuff that I'm watching, it's, it's a lot of Big Macs and Burrito Supremes. Not a lot of vegetables in there. It's pretty nasty stuff that I'm taking in on a regular basis. See, we need to have as a regular part of our diet things that glorify him. Things that, that's why Paul says, True, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellence. He says, think about these things. Now, in verse 8 there, where he says, think about these things, if depending on your translation of the Bible, your translation might say, dwell on these things. And I like that one. I'll tell you the translation I like best for that is the New Living Translation, which says this. When it says all that list of stuff, it says, if there is anything worthy of praise, and then the New Living Translation says... Fix your thoughts on these things. See, fixing your thoughts has a different connotation to us than just thinking about it. 
Today is the Super Bowl. I've thought about the Super Bowl since I've been standing up here. Sorry. But I haven't fixed my thoughts on that. It just, it just popped into my brain. I thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to get to eat some buffalo chicken dip and hopefully watch the Patriots lose. And it just, it just went through there really quickly through my mind. But I'm not fixing my thoughts on that. What I'm fixing my thoughts on right now, trying to, is I'm trying to fix my thoughts on what I'm communicating to you. And so Paul says that if we want to really emulate the ways of God, if we want to really learn how to practice the things of God, we need to be fixing our thoughts on things that are pure and just and honorable and excellent and commendable and praiseworthy. It's different than just hoping that it'll get in there, but we take some action and we begin to make that a regular part of our life. See, we need to, we need to add some of that stuff into our diet. You need, to, you need to add into your diet. You need to make sure that if you're fixing your thoughts on the things of God, you need to be sure that, that, you're, that you're reading the Word, that you're reading the Bible. I told you this a million times, and I'm going to say it a million times more. If this hour here on Sunday morning is the only Bible you get all week, you are spiritually starving to death. You are spiritually malnourished. You need to be reading the Word every single day. It needs to be a regular part of your diet. It needs to be what you're fixing your thoughts on. You need to be fixing your thoughts on, on good things that you're hearing in discussion in life group and the encouragement you're getting in your life group. That needs to be something that you're fixing your thoughts on. You need to be fixing your thoughts on good teaching. Hopefully today is good teaching. When Donnie stands up here, I know it's good teaching. And you need to be able to fix your thoughts on that and think about it and participate in that on Sunday mornings and allow that to be in your mind as you go through your week. You need to fix your thoughts on, on, on uh, the words that you get from encouraging people, mentors who are further along in the faith than you, people who are wise, who you can look up to and you can try to model your life after them. You need to fix your thoughts on the things that they're telling you and the things that they're putting into your life. See, the reality is that if, if, you're, if you've got a steady diet of Netflix and YouTube videos and talking head news shows and Facebook and reality TV, if that's your steady diet, your mind is all going to be messed up. It, it, it can't even, you can't even get to the point to where you're going to be able to do anything that Christ wants you to do. See, Paul says there in, in, in verse 8, he, he says to think about these things, and then he goes right into verse 9, and he says, what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the thing is, we have to take responsibility for that. You have to take responsibility for what's going into your mind. I'm a 45-year-old man. You know who's responsible for what I eat and drink? Me. Nobody else. If I go to my doctor and he takes my blood and says, man, Cliff, you're all messed up. Your cholesterol's out of whack. Your, you know, some other sides, eyes are messed up. And you got bad iron and good iron. And, I, you know, everything's bad. Your, your blood's all messed up. And then he says, let's talk about what you eat. The dumbest thing in the world would be if I said to my doctor, well, you know, I mean, we can talk about what I eat, but, you know, I go home and, and Sherry makes me suffer and I just eat that. I, you know, I really don't know. And, and, and there's chocolate milk and I, I'm, if it's around, I'm going to drink it. 
And, and I can't help it. I, I go by Burger King and McDonald's, and I love Egg McMuffins. I'm going to eat a couple of them a week. That would be the dumbest thing in the world if I acted like it was just somehow being implanted into me and I had no, no responsibility of it at all. I have to take responsibility for what I eat, and I also have to take responsibility for what I'm eating mentally, for what I'm allowing into my life. And if I'm not putting some vegetables and some clear liquids in me physically, I'm going to be messed up. And if I'm not putting things that are honorable, true, just, excellent, praiseworthy, commendable, if I'm not putting that into my life mentally, I'm going to be just as unhealthy mentally as I would be unhealthy physically if I never ate any vegetables and never tried to do what was right with my diet. And we have to take responsibility. See there in verse 9, look at that again. Paul says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. We've got some instruments up here on stage. I would love to be able to walk back here and sit behind this drum kit and just crack off a drum solo like John Bonham or somebody that would just blow your minds, that you would walk home and you know get, get home and say, man, my pastor, he can play the daylights out of the drums. It was awesome. I would love to be able to pick up Gary's guitar right here and, and just rip off an Eddie Van Halen solo that would just scorch your hair right off of your head and you'd walk out of here bald-headed because of my amazing fast ability on the guitar. But you know why I can't do that and it would be ridiculous for me to try to do that? Because I haven't learned anything about those instruments. I haven't received any training in playing those instruments. So it'd be stupid for me to walk back there and think I could play them. So how much stupider is it for us to, to, to what Paul says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. If we're not learning anything about who Jesus is, if we're not receiving anything about who Jesus is into our minds, if, we're not, if we don't have anything to practice, then how can we go out and expect to live like Jesus wants us to live? How, you know, uh, last week someone um, who, who I... Uh, and friends with on Facebook, he's a pastor that's been retired for about a year and really wise man. And I always look at what he puts online. And um, and he 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 put something the other day. He said that there are approximately three hundred and fifty thousand uh, Southern Baptist churches, I think, in America. Maybe it was just all churches, but anyway, three hundred fifty thousand churches in America. And he put on there, he said that what is preached in 350,000 churches on Sunday morning, that if we really grasp a hold of it, it should totally change the landscape of America by Sunday afternoon. Think about that. I mean, just think about it in our town. I mean, how many, how many churches are in Greer, Taylor's area? Who knows? 500? 1,000? 35,000? Who knows how many? There seems like there's a million of them, right, on every corner. What if everybody today that was hearing the gospel, that's hearing the word, if it was becoming such a part of who they were, they're thinking about it, they're fixing their thoughts on it, they're practicing those things, how different would our town look by the end of this week? It would look extremely different. It would be amazing what would happen. But we've got to begin by making sure that we have the right things going in, that we've got a regular part of our diet. See, Paul says that, that what's these things that you have seen in me put into practice. Paul says, remember how you sometimes you would hear maybe your parents say or you heard someone say, do as I say, not as I do. You know, daddy's going to go out here and 
You know, he's going to do some stuff he shouldn't do, but I don't want you doing that. I'm telling you it's bad. Don't do it. But then you see him doing it. And I know mamas do that stuff too, but I just think more about daddy's doing that. And, uh, and Paul says here, do as I say and do as I do. Paul puts himself out there. And he says, what you've seen in me, do that. Put that into practice. It's just like in, in Philippians 3.17 that Donnie preached about a couple of weeks ago where Paul said this, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. See, Paul set the example for how he wanted people to live around him. And he was able to do that because it began with he had spent hours and hours and years putting into his life things that were honorable and true and just and excellent and praiseworthy. He had been studying the ancient scriptures. He had been doing everything that he was supposed to do. He had spent time in prayer. He had spent time with other believers. And so that he was living an example of how he should live. Now, the best example that we have, if we want to follow somebody, is we can read it and it's about Jesus Christ. Jesus is the best example we've got. But here, again, you can't follow the example of Jesus. You can't know what Jesus did. You can't figure out how Jesus would react in a situation you're in unless you read, unless you go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you make that a regular part of your diet. I think Donnie mentioned a few weeks ago people wearing the WWJD bracelets when that was a big thing. That was when I was a youth minister. Man, we'd order those things by the case, give them out. Hey, everybody wear this to school. This is going to make a difference at your school if you wear a WWJD bracelet. It never made a difference. You know why? Because most of the people we were handing them to, what would Jesus do? They didn't know the answer. They had no idea what Jesus would do. They knew he healed some people, but they can't do that. And so if we walk into work tomorrow, we walk into school tomorrow, we walk into wherever it is that you're going to be, and we're not putting anything in our minds that's good, the first time you have a conflict, you know what you're going to react like? You're not going to react like Jesus. You're going to react like some stupid person in a reality TV show that you saw. And it's going to almost be like an involuntary muscle reaction just like my breathing is right now. I don't have to think about breathing. And there are sometimes, there are certain things in our lives sometimes that we don't even have to think about how we're going to react because we've just settled into it and it's a part of who we are. And we've put so much garbage in our lives and we're not getting the good things into our minds. And all of a sudden, that's just the way we react. And then we write it off and say, well, you know, I've just always had a struggle with that. I've always had a hard time with my temper. How many of you have known someone who's a follower of Jesus, claimed to be a follower of Jesus? Don't raise your hand because it might be you. But you've known someone who's claimed to be a follower of Jesus for years and years and years, but there's something that they do all the time, and they don't even, they don't even see it as a sin anymore. Somebody that you know, they're going to tell you the bad gossip about somebody else, whether it's true or not, every time you see them. Hey, you, I cannot believe, can you believe she wore them pants to church today? Or whatever it might be. Or someone who has an anger problem. And they fly off the handle every five or six weeks. You know what's happened? Is they've just settled in. They've just settled into a, a bad way of thinking. And now it's coming out in their actions. See, sometimes Paul said that he was going to set the example. I think sometimes we know what we're supposed to do. We've seen the examples. But that, that stuff we're putting in our brain, it short circuits before we can get the action out. 
we know what we're supposed to do, but we've put so much garbage in there that we get short-circuited before we can do the right thing. Back in 1992, there was a great song on the radio uh, by a, a group of girls, ladies, named In Vogue, and it was called Free Your Mind and the Rest Will Follow. Anybody remember that? It's, it's awesome. And, uh, and, also, and there's an older song that talks about freeing your mind that, uh, by Parliament Funkadelic that some of y'all old people will remember. But In Vogue sang, free your mind and the rest will follow. And it was a song about uh, not being prejudiced and all that kind of stuff. But I love that phrase. And I think that, that Paul is almost saying the same thing here. He's saying if you can get the right stuff in your mind, the actions are going to become more natural. If you can be putting so much scripture, so much Jesus into your minds, then it's going to become easier to follow him. But if we're putting garbage in here, then it's always going to be more difficult. Now, when we think about a free mind, some people think, okay, that just means to be open-minded to anything and everything. And as my daddy used to say, people have gotten so open-minded that their brains have fallen out on the floor. My daddy used to always say that. And he's right. But, you know, but we're talking about having a free mind doesn't mean letting anything and everything in. A free mind means a disciplined mind. See, discipline... Freedom is not, the, uh, is not the opposite of discipline. Discipline is the opposite of disorder. And if we're just putting stuff in and putting stuff in and we're not, make, we're not, we're not taking any, into account anything that we're thinking about or what we're putting into our minds, we're going to have a, disor- a mind full of disorder. But a disciplined mind, a mind that says, I'm going to take in Scripture today. And I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm going to take in some more scripture. And I'm going to spend some time in prayer. And I'm going to be sure that I make it a priority to be somewhere on a Sunday morning where there's some biblical teaching being done. And if not, I'm going to be sure that I listen to the podcast, that biblical teaching. And I'm going to be sure that I make it a priority to be at Life Group where I know we're going to be discussing things of the Bible. And then pretty soon, your mind is a disciplined mind where it's taking in every day things that are honorable, things that are excellent, things that are just things that are commendable, things that are lovely, things that are praiseworthy. And all of a sudden, you're going to begin to see a difference in the way you live. As you think about your life today, and think about just the stuff you consume, I want to ask you a couple questions. If you're taking notes, I want you just to write these down. Because I want you to think about this message after today. Write this down. What areas of your thinking need some discipline? Where is it that your mind just gets all out of whack? Is it when you think about the people you work with? Is it when you think about politics, sports? What areas of your thinking need to be disciplined? And the second thing, write this down. What's your regular diet? And I'm talking about your mental diet. What's your regular diet? Think about through your week. What are you taking in? Because here's what I know I do. I get in routines and I don't even realize how much. And one day I will get up and I'll go, I just watched 
four straight hours of the Big Bang Theory. And I've seen all of those 12 times I could recite what Sheldon was going to say before he said it. Or whatever it is that you watch. And then the last one is, who can be your example of how you should live? Paul says in verse 9 there, he says, what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. You, you haven't seen anything in Paul, unfortunately. You can read about him, which is great. But there may, there, hopefully there's someone in your life that you can look at and you can say, that, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, that person's going to be my example. I'm going I'm to follow, not blindly, everything they do, but the good things that I see in their life, I'm going to try to make that a part of my life. Who can be your example? I'm going to pray for us. The band's going to come, and we're going to have a time of response. And, and here's what I want you to think about as it, as it comes time to respond. If you don't know Jesus as, as your Savior, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that's the starting point for you. You can't live for Him if you don't have a relationship with Him. You can't experience and, and think about things that are honorable and just and excellent and all those things if you don't have a relationship with Him. So that's the starting point if you don't know Him. If you do know Him, begin to deal some with those questions. Begin to think through, where is my thinking out of whack? If we can get that pulled back in as a group, it will make a big difference in who we are as a church. It will make a big difference in who we can reach. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for the words of Paul and how practical they are. He lived in a time before the internet and before television and before all the things that seem to bombard our thoughts with things that are not healthy and not godly, but he understood what it was like because he had plenty of struggles in that area himself. He lived in a time of pagan religions and bad theology and all other kinds of things. And so I pray that we would take to heart the words that, that he wrote where he said that if anything is pure, if anything is lovely, if anything is just, if anything is commendable, praiseworthy, excellent, that we would fix our thoughts on those things. All of us, and God, I'm the, I'm the chief offender in this, all of us struggle with just getting so caught up into whatever media it is that we're taking in that we, we spend hours and hours and hours thinking about that, looking at that, listening to it. Help us to be sure that we have a balanced diet, that we're taking in things that honor you, that even though we, we're not going to be able to cut it all out, we'd be able to make plenty of room for the things that you want us to put into our minds. And then we will be amazed and we will give you the glory when our actions begin to line up with the things that we think, with the things that we take in. You are good, gracious, an amazing God. And we ask these things in Jesus' name.